Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton, a 19-year-old from the Bay Area studying psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. She Persisted is the teen mental health podcast made for teenagers by a teen. In each episode, I'll bring you authentic, accessible, and relatable conversations about every aspect of mental wellness. You can expect evidence-based teen-approved resources, coping skills, including lots of DBT, insights, and education in each piece of content you consume. She Persisted offers you a safe space to feel validated and understood in your struggle while encouraging you to take ownership of your journey and build your life worth living. So let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome back to She Persisted. I'm coming to you from Nantucket. I brought my microphone with me because I forgot to record this intro before I left. And I am in a really interesting limbo period, which I talked about last week, where we're about to start school. I'm starting to think about my schedule and organizing myself and what I want this semester to look like. And also still enjoying summer and having less stress and less work to do. So since I've been here, I've been doing a lot of reading. I've already finished two books. Very proud of myself. Trying to exercise more, get my steps in every day and have those workouts and really get that set in stone, which is always a goal for me because working out is not fun. Anyways, I would love to hear what you guys are doing with the end of your summer. Is it the end of summer? We're almost in August. And how you are recharging and refueling before you are starting the fall semester. Because I know for me, if I'm not refueling, I get burnt out so quickly. So would love to hear what your tips are there. Today I'm sitting down with Michael Slepian. He is the Associate Professor of Leadership and Ethics at Columbia University and a recipient of the Rising Star Award from the Association for Psychological Science. He is the author of a book called The Secret of Secrets, How Our Inner World Shape Wellbeing Relationships and Who We Are. And he just provides so much interesting insight on what happens emotionally, relationship-wise, and identity-wise when we are not being authentic or true to ourselves, whether you are lying, whether you are not sharing things, or whether you're not being completely transparent and open about what your goals and intentions are. It was just such an interesting conversation, and anyone that loves psychology will love this episode. So, If you would like to learn more about secrets in addition to this conversation, definitely check out his book. It will be in today's show notes. And I had a really fun moment when we were traveling to Europe. We were in the airport and we always go through the bookstore because why not? And his book was on the shelf under like new releases or bestsellers or something. And I was like, mom, dad, I interviewed him last week on my podcast. This is so cool. And they were like, okay, Sadie. Yep, that's great. But it was really exciting and really cool and really fun when those things kind of like become real life. So anyways, this conversation is amazing. You will learn so much and it's just, yeah, very educational, very interesting. And I love sitting down with Michael, so I hope you enjoy this conversation as well. And before we dive into it, remember to subscribe and turn on downloads so you don't miss future episodes. Leave a review if you haven't already. It helps me and the podcast so much. And follow on Instagram and TikTok at @shepersistedpodcast. So with that, let's dive into the episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michael. I'm so excited to have you on She Persisted. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So we're going to have a really interesting conversation today about something that I think is relevant to a lot of teenagers growing up. It's kind of something that most young adults navigate at some point, and that is keeping secrets. It's lying. It's deciding how important it is to you as a personal value to be truthful, to to be transparent with people in your life. And you've done a ton of research on this. You have an amazing book that really dissects this. So if people are interested after the interview and want to learn more, they can read that. But to start, I'd love to hear what your definition was 
of a secret because there's a big spectrum there. There's like white lies, there's lying by omission, there's completely just making things up. So what do you define as a secret to the degree where you start seeing consequences in your life? So I define a secret as an intention to hold information back from one or more people. And so you can talk about it with someone else, but if you would still intend to keep it from another person, then I would call it a secret. Mm -hmm. And in your research, did you find that the, the degree of the secret correlated with the consequence, like a giant, huge thing from a really close family member, friend, loved one had more consequences or was it the same across the board? The secrets that have the largest consequences, the ones that affect our health and well-being the most, are the secrets we find our mind returning to time and time again, not the secrets that we have to frequently conceal in conversations. So it's the secrets that our mind kind of gets stuck on. Those are the ones that have the biggest impact. Did you find common threads, common secrets that people keep across different walks of life, things that people consistently lie about or consistently struggle to be truthful about? Some of the most common secrets people keep include romantic desire, issues around finances, sexual behavior, family secrets is a common one, ambitions are a common secret. Also things like social discontent, sort of being dissatisfied with your social life in some manner, and then violating another person's trust. Those are some of the most common secrets that people keep. Wow. So that's really interesting. It's not just like finding out about a piece of information and then not disclosing it. It's also if you're you value something or you want to pursue something and you're not being transparent about that, that can also have similar consequences. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. So talk to me about the psychology of what happens when you keep a secret. One of those things we just mentioned or something else when you you talked about ruminating on the subject, but what happens when you are intentionally not sharing a piece of information? So one obvious thing that happens is once in a while you hide it in conversation, but mm-hmm. one reason why the definition is so important in this case is the moment you intend to hold information back from others is the moment you have a secret well before you ever have the opportunity or the chance to actually hide it in conversation. And so the moment you intend to hold it back is the moment that secret can start affecting you. We find that when someone has a secret, they're likely to have their mind, you know, they're more likely likely to ruminate on the secret. And so we see that there's three different ways in which a secret can harm you. The more immoral you consider the secret to be, the more shame that secret can evoke. The more you see the secret as personal and sort of individual, the more isolating it can feel to have that secret. And the more emotional the secret, the less insight you feel you have into it or you're sort of unsure what to do. Mm -hmm. Did you see any like crossovers between people that are highly sensitive to feeling like shame or have low self-esteem that were more prone to feeling those intense emotions, even if the secret did seem like smaller and not as extreme? So one way in which a secret can hurt you is when you're holding it back from other people, you're you're likely to not find the healthiest way of thinking about it. And so if mm-hmm. you're especially prone to shame, for example, one thing you might do to try to deal with that is just not talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And people who, who habitually keep secrets as a way of dealing with problems are people who aren't actually working on those problems. And so secrecy is a way to sort of sidestep these experiences of 
feeling embarrassed or being too embarrassed to open up. But then if you're using secrecy as a way to handle those problems, you're, you're leaving them unsolved or unresolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the personal consequences, like personal well-being consequences that occur when you keep a secret. We'll dive into relationships, we'll dive into identity as well. But what happens internally with your own mental health when you're keeping a secret? What we look at when we look at personal well-being, we'll look at things like health and well-being, physical health, we'll look at life satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And having a secret, people who have more secrets have lower life satisfaction. But also the the question is not just whether secrets are bad or good, but essentially which secrets harm you and why. And the the old idea here before I started doing my research is that the reason secrets hurt our health and well-being is because it's very stressful to hide them in conversation. But what we now know is actually there aren't that many conversations that we have where we have to hold our secrets back. You can only hide a secret in conversation when you're talking to someone from whom you're keeping the secret and talking about something related to the secret. It turns out that doesn't happen very often. People rarely ask us questions related to our secret, but we have mm-hmm. all the time in the world to simply think about the secret. And so, you know, what really seems to hurt personal well being. Is not that we have to hide our secrets, but that we have to live with them alone in our thoughts. Today's episode is brought to you by Nut Pods. If you are not familiar with Nut Pods, they are a Whole30 kosher, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten-free creamer company. They have so many amazing flavors, and they just came out with a collaboration with Chamberlain Coffee with their three favorite creamers, which is caramel, French vanilla, and sweet cream. My two favorites are French vanilla and sweet cream, so we have that in common. But what I love about Nut Pods creamers is that you can buy them in bulk, and they don't have to be refrigerated until you open them. They have unsweetened and sweetened, and these sweetened ones have zero grams of sugar, which I love. It is perfect in iced coffee, hot coffee. They also have barista milks that you can put foam on top of your coffees. This is one of my favorite hacks at college because you obviously have limited fridge space and coffee can get super expensive if you're going to Starbucks every single day. So what I do is make my iced coffee. I add in my Nut Pods sweet cream or French vanilla creamer and I'm good to go. I bring it to class. I drink it before I leave my room, whatever. It's amazing and I can get like six bottles, not have to worry about them going bad and it's so convenient. It's my favorite. So if you would like to check out Nut Pods, you can go to the link in today's show notes or use code SHEPERSISTEDPODCAST at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that is the link in today's show notes or use code SHEPERSISTEDPODCAST at checkout for 15% off your order. What does that rumination look like when people are really, their thoughts again are controlled by these secrets? I'm thinking of someone who's like an insomniac, they're going to bed and the, the secret is just running through their head, these scenarios of how it could possibly come out. What does that look like with the people that you researched with? What it often looks like is sort of perseverating on the past, you know, sort of your regrets or, or feeling like, how could I have done this? Or I feel so stupid. When we focus on the past in that way, it often doesn't get us anywhere. You can't change the past. There's the more helpful way of thinking about it is lessons learned and and thinking about what you want to do into the future. But when we're alone with a thought, we often get in these sort of unhelpful loops of thinking where we're just kind of like rehashing the past and that often doesn't get you anywhere. So with regards to relationships, you mentioned that the 
keeping a secret is often more harmful to yourself because there's such a small window of time when it would possibly you would have that stress of telling the other person. But obviously not being truthful can have negative impacts to the relationship. So what did you find from a psychology perspective happens in relationships when you're keeping secrets? So when you're keeping a secret from, for example, a romantic partner or a really close friend, one way that that can hurt the relationship is if it makes you all of a sudden not forthcoming or, or closed off. If one way to keep a secret from someone is to make sure you just never have conversations related to that secret. And so you would never bring up topics. You, you never bring up the sort of general topic that the secret is about. But the risk there is that the other person notices. They notice that there's something you're not saying or you know there's something that's bothering you, but you're not revealing what it is and and why that hurts the relationship is it, it doesn't feel good to to feel like that your your close friend or, or your romantic partner doesn't feel comfortable to open up to you that doesn't feel good it feels like they're excluding you from from something important they're excluding mm-hmm. you from their life and that that will have negative implications for the relationship what are the consequences that occur when, say, a friend ropes you into a secret? Like you're gossiping with someone. It's not your secret that you found out, but now you are partaking in the secret keeping. What happens there? When someone confides a secret in you, there's good and bad. The good is that you you recognize that, especially if it was something that would be difficult to talk about, you recognize that they've made themselves vulnerable to you and that they felt comfortable opening up to you. And so when people confide in you, you recognize that as an act of intimacy and that can bring us closer together. But at the same time, if now you have to keep the secret on their behalf, it can become burdensome, just like our own secrets. And we see that is more likely to the extent that your social networks overlap. So if you or or that the secret is involving someone that you know, essentially now, if you have to watch what you say to other people around you, that other person's secret can become a burden too. It's like a two-sided coin because to one extent you're like, it's not as much of a secret because now the person has told one person. So there's not that stress of like, I can't tell anyone you've told one person, but then there's two people that are dealing with the rumination and the relationship consequences. So from your research, did did you kind of determine if it's almost worse to have multiple people hiding a secret or just one person? That's interesting. We've we haven't done the research and the research hasn't been done yet, but it makes me think of something else that you would want to be mindful of when trying to decide who to tell your secret to. We see that, you know, one risk, of course, with revealing your secret to someone is they reveal it to a third party. They reveal it to someone that you wouldn't want them to to reveal it to. And we see that that is more likely to happen to the extent that the person who's been confided in considers what you've told them to be immoral. And so if someone is going to be scandalized by what you're telling them, they might not be the right person to talk to you because the more that they, you know, essentially the more they feel that what you've done is wrong, the more likely they are to tell someone else about it essentially as a form of punishment. And so you really want to be careful about who you choose to reveal your secret to. Often it makes things better, but the question is who. Yeah. 
So talk to me about the sense of identity component. Obviously, it's very difficult to have a sense of identity if, like we talked about at the beginning, you're not sharing like what your desires are, what your passions are, what your dreams and goals are. So what happens when you're keeping secrets in those realms to your sense of identity? One really important part of identity is other people. The way we learn about ourselves is through sharing ourselves with other people. And so when you hold back from other people, you you don't get a sense of what they, you know, how they respond, how they would respond to, to learning this thing that you've done. And so when you reveal a secret to someone, not only can they help you with that secret, but they can sort of help you think through the implications of that. And they might, you know, they might say like, I understand, or they might say, I can see, you know, I can see having made the same mistake and, and it might help you understand that, you know, you're not a bad person. You, you made a mistake and, and people make mistakes, but when you choose to be totally alone with something, it's all too easy to come to the conclusion, oh, I'm a bad person or I'm worthless. And, you know, that's what we call shame. And simply talking to another person can, can make the world of difference in helping you understand, you know, maybe you did a bad thing, that's very different than I'm a bad person. And that's a conclusion that can be hard to come by when you're stuck alone in your thoughts. That's so interesting. One of my all across the board most asked questions is how to ask for help, how to advocate for your help with your mental health. And what you just highlighted is, I think, something that's very universally true, which is if you're struggling with these scary things like depression or anxiety or suicidal ideation or urges, you get into that thought spiral of like, I, I'm a bad person because of this, because you haven't looped anyone in. No one is saying like, mm-hmm. so many people have experienced this before. It's treatable. It's possible to feel better. Let's get you support. And so I think especially in regards to mental health, which you wouldn't necessarily frame as like a secret, but like you mentioned at the beginning, it's intentionally not sharing something, even if that's a goal, a desire, a passion, which to me are like those three things are, you would never be like, oh, that's a secret. It's just, you're, you're not sharing it, but it really does have the same impact. So I think that really speaks to why it's so important to, again, share with other people, ask for help, because you could just have such profound support that you would never be aware of if you don't, for that first time, be vulnerable and, and ask for help. If people attempt to share a secret, ask for help, share something that they're anxious about being vulnerable about, and it goes badly. Have you found that they're even more avoidant of sharing that secret in the future? Or is it like you've done it once, going forward, it's easier? The most important thing to know here is that it very rarely goes so poorly. And we see that the average response to confiding in someone is very helpful. Even a lukewarm response, people find helpful. Um, and this just goes to show how how hard it is to be alone, entirely alone with something that people don't have to risk. Pe- people could just say that sucks or that I'm so sorry to hear that. And that is helpful. It turns out we don't actually need all that much to feel better. Only when someone responds very negatively do people regret confiding and feel like it's backfired. Uh, and when is that more likely? That's what we were talking about before. If for some reason this person just won't understand what you're talking yeah, about, being or would think that with it's the other wrong. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so huge. choosing 
we see that people really prefer to confide in people that they see as compassionate, someone who will be non-judgmental and sort of empathic. People also like to confide in people who are assertive, someone who will push you to do something. And so those qualities will often prove helpful. That's so interesting. And it almost is like that that first vulnerability. I've always thought of it as like more something you're doing for yourself than you're doing for validation from the other person because the anxiety you feel about sharing is so much more overwhelming than like the validation that you might get like, oh, wow, that sucks. I've been there. Like that seems so in like so circumstantial compared to like, oh my gosh, I just completely navigated this giant challenge. I was able to overcome this anxiety. I was able to share this with this other person despite maybe feeling rejection. So it's really something that you do for yourself almost more so than being like, I need to tell this person so that they'll say that it's okay or that they've been there. And so I think that almost makes it a little bit easier because you're taking out that component of how will this other person respond? Like, yes, that's anxiety provoking, but you're more nervous about like how that will make you feel how the response will make you feel and they're going to respond often more positively than you expect them to and then another thing to think about here is you know making yourself vulnerable revealing something to someone you wouldn't just tell anyone it's this profound act of intimacy people often think about their secrets you know as this sort of difficult thing that they don't know what to do with and like no, you could never like you, you. It would be a disaster to reveal it to someone. But actually, it's it's this powerful thing that we can do with our secrets is to share them with other people. And it really it's easy to forget that that yeah. opening yourself up to someone is is a really it's a way to to deepen a relationship with someone. And so you'll get a little help, and you know you'll sort of it's it's a way to maintain and, and deepen relationships too. Today's episode is brought to you by Teen Counseling. Telehealth therapy is one of the greatest things because even when you're out of town, at college, or you just don't want to go into a therapist's office to have your session, you can still continue your therapy journey and get mental health support. So if you're not familiar with Teen Counseling, they are BetterHelp's branch for teenagers. So all these clinicians specialize in working with adolescents and teenagers on all the issues that are important to you, whether that is depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, school stress, literally anything and everything. They have over 14,000 licensed therapists in your network, so you're bound to find one that works for you. And they offer talk, text, and video counseling. So depending on what level of support you're looking for, you are able to get it. So you can do video counseling once a week, once every other week, and you can text your therapist in between sessions, whatever works for you. So if you want to check out teen counseling, you can go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted or use the link in today's show notes. Again, that is teencounseling.com slash she persisted to find a therapist today. So advice for people that are scared to be vulnerable, scared to ask for help or share something that they've never shared before, is the advice just blanket, don't keep secrets? Is there a certain way you should work up to sharing something that you're scared about divulging? What tips do you have for listeners who would like to be more vulnerable, but that's really scary? So again, it's you know choosing the person carefully, choosing someone who you think will be understanding to some degree who will sort of be compassionate to some degree. And then when, you know, maybe it's something that's really difficult to talk about and you you sort of identified who the person might be and you could say like, hey, you know, I'd love to like talk to you about something. And even just that can really make it a lot easier to then 
talk to that person about that thing. One of one thing that's so difficult about secrets is there's there's very rarely the moment that just makes it so easy to to reveal. You know, I, I've been in this situation before where you have a secret and you're you're like, okay, I'm going to reveal the secret. I'm just going to wait for the right time, and it never comes. You kind of have to create that situation for yourself and just say, hey, I'd like to ask you something or I want to talk about something or there's something serious I'd like to talk about. Whatever is the sort of thing that can get the conversation started in a way that's less threatening rather than just like coming out and saying it, which might feel out of the blue. Um, Yeah, and maybe even flagging what the general topic you want to discuss is that can make it a lot easier. Yeah. When I was in residential treatment, we did this thing called exposure to exposure. It was one of our group therapies that we did every single week. And we would have this thing called vulnerability group where you would, everyone would like sit in a circle and you'd be vulnerable about one thing. It didn't matter what it was, but it had to give you that anxiety. Then you would work through it. And it was like everyone's least favorite thing. Like we would like count down (laughs) the days. Like, oh my God. People would be like, I can't go today. I'm having a mental breakdown. And the staff would be like, no, you have to go. And they'd be like, okay, fine. Setting yourself up in a a situation where you can handle being vulnerable in that safe environment where you can work through that made it so much easier to then in the future be vulnerable with a parent or with a friend or with an adult that you trust because You've shown yourself that you can handle those emotions. You've exposed yourself to that threat in a safe environment, and you knew how to cope with the emotions that arose. You were able to handle the situation effectively. Yes, it was scary and overwhelming to be vulnerable, but like you mentioned, in most situations, it goes well. It's perceived well. It's not a negative experience, especially if you're intentionally choosing your audience. And so I think that's a great way as well to kind of practice being vulnerable, practice sharing these secrets so that you can work up to whatever this big overwhelming thing is that you want to talk to a parent, friend, family member about, but it seems too scary initially. And and when it is that way, when it does require some courage or some bravery, know that the other person will recognize that and, yeah. and understand that and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Did you find that there was ever any times where it's good to keep a secret? I feel like there are so many different social situations where you're like telling this person this thing that someone's saying about them will just hurt their feelings. Are there situations like that where you're like, it's okay to keep a secret? Like, it makes sense. You don't have to 100% be vulnerable and transparent all the time. Or is it better for your own mental health relationships and identity to just be transparent all the time? There's definitely a class of secrets where it's you're better off by keeping them if what you're going to do by revealing it is hurt someone else you know someone said something very negative about someone that you know that there's not often much gained by then telling that person that thing except for making them feel worse and so certainly situations like that if you feel like you're protecting someone or protecting someone's feelings by keeping a secret often it's the right decision now if it's something really big that now you feel like you're struggling with having to keep this secret yourself you could talk to a third party about it you don't have to reveal it to the person that's going to get hurt by it but you could if you feel like you need to talk about it like you could carefully choose someone else to talk about it with while still protecting that other person yeah i think that's huge and you can even use the third party to figure out how to frame it in a way that's not hurtful like if it's something that's negative being like 
think maybe you should talk to this person because they're not being so nice. Did something happen there? Like, what's going on without necessarily intentionally hurting their feelings or going into the situation and causing more consequences than necessary? Yeah, and for any really big secret that you're just not sure whether revealing it is the right thing to do, you don't have to figure that out alone. Like, again, you can talk to someone else and they can help you think through it. Yeah. What is the one takeaway that you hope people have from reading your book and learning about the psychology of secrets? The one takeaway that I'd hope for people to take away (laughs) is if there's a secret that's bothering you or upsetting you, talking to someone else about it, it, it just it can just make this whole world of difference. Just talk about it with someone and you don't have to reveal it to who you're keeping it a secret from, but so much can be gained by talking to someone else about it. I love that. To wrap things up, where can people buy your book? Where can they continue to consume your content? You know, you can buy it at all the usual places. If you want to learn more about the different kinds of secrets people keep, you can go to keepingsecrets.org. That's where you can look at all the categories of secrets that we use in our research. And then if you want, you can take the survey and you can also see how your secrets compare to people of the same gender, of the same age, and sort of we let you play with the data. Awesome. Well, I will link both of those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. I'm so excited we got to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of She Persisted. If you enjoyed, make sure to share with a friend or family member. It really helps out the podcast. And if you haven't already, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also make sure to follow along at, at She Persisted Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok and check out all the bonus resources, content, and information on my website, ShePersistedPodcast.com. Thanks for supporting, keep persisting, and I'll see you next week.